0: This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast, episode number 87. So first, I love
1: to start with um, evaluating your money mindset. So what a lot of people don't realize is your money mindset, Some, in most cases, is really not yours. It really stems from your influences and in your upbringing. So if your parents were very materialistic or they spent all their money on things, especially buying new you things, you're going to think like that's the way it's supposed to be. And kind of that was the case with me. My mother was a spender. She so always made sure you had the nice clothes, the nice shoes. So when I got my first job working at Covers, I did the same thing. I had all the Jordans, um, all of graphic tees, things of that nature. And I was kind of repeating the same cycle without even thinking about it.
0: This episode of The Millionaire Podcast is sponsored by 24-7 Watches. You can find 24 seven watches at 20 the number four, the number seven watches.com right now they have a 20% off sale and you can get by using the code 20 off at checkout. Again, the website is the word 20 the number four seven watches.com. Check out blacker pockets. Blacker pockets is an online urban real estate investing community that teaches people the value of investing in the inner city. At Blacker Pockets, you have the ability to network with well-known, seasoned inner city real estate investors such as Nita, Hood Estates, Charm City Buyers, and Todd Investments, where they'll be giving you tips, tricks, and strategies to successfully invest in the inner city. Check out Blacker Pockets on Instagram, at Blacker Pockets. Don't miss the Todd Consulting End of the Year LLC Filing Special Currently, that special is $99 plus filing fees, and it will only last until December 31st. Email charles at com for more information. This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode number 87. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club for stocks and for real estate. We have over 320 members and six rental properties and looking to do crazy, crazy things in 2019. We're looking to get into commercial. We're also looking to expand Todd Capital Trucking. So if you're anybody who has any connections with the trucking industry, hit us up. We're definitely gonna be in that industry and that asset class in 2019. Um, Commercial real estate, as well as just continue to do what we do in residential real estate. Make sure that you all leave a rating or review, preferably a five-star review. Leave your comments, like, share, subscribe do all those great things to help us continue to grow this movement of just this, this African-American Renaissance and real estate and business that we're seeing. It's, it's definitely shifting the culture. It's something that I saw happening um, just with the shift of a lot of things that are going on right now, but it's just good to see. Very good to see. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African American investors and business owners so that people can hear the stories of successful examples because they exist we want people to learn that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. I have that whole thing memorized now, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, thank you all for tuning in this week, today, not even this week, today, have a brother named Brian Robinson. He is a CPA from Chicago. He's been doing some great stuff in the budgeting sphere, has a lot of successful clients and just wanted to bring him on. He's very active on Twitter. And I think he's active on uh, Instagram as well. He just read a book that I highly regard as, I think, one of the linchpins of African-American history and business success history. I think every entrepreneur needs to read. And I mean, it's not the end all be all, but it's definitely something you have to read. It's like a brick. You got to have that brick. You can't miss that brick. Uh, The book we're talking about is a book that has been mentioned on this show before. That book is Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? the story of Reginald Lewis. We'll talk about that on the show. But more importantly, what we're going to talk about is his lane, which is budgeting. So welcome to the show, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited to be on the show. It's, uh, it's really crazy going from listening to the podcast to actually being on it. So definitely excited to be here.
0: <laughs> the, best, the, the, the best guests are people who listen to the podcast because, I mean, I mean, it's you get value from the podcast and so now you get to give value back to the listeners and what people don't realize is by giving value you gain value so by giving mm-hmm. value we're going to get you some more clients and we're going to help a lot of people out so Absolutely, who, are you, who are you who are you and where are you from
1: so again brian robinson i'm from the south suburbs of chicago actually i grew up in harvey illinois spent most of my adolescence in park forest illinois um i'm a certified public accountant. I currently work as an auditor for one of the big four accounting firms and um really passionate about finance, blogging, really personal finance. Uh, I'm a personal finance blogger at the dot And yeah, that's a little bit about myself.
0: That's dope. I think that people work their whole, or people just getting into a big four accounting firm is an accomplishment in itself outside of what you do with your own business. Like, getting your CPA license getting into a big four firm is an accomplishment can you talk to us a little bit about the process of of just getting to where you are now
1: yeah so um to make a long story relatively short um my senior year of high school pretty much all my high school years I was really kind of shy and reserved didn't really have a lot of self-confidence and I was very materialistic um And my turning point was my high school graduation, where I was actually envious of individuals who were at the top of the class, um, because I felt as though I let them outwork me. So at my high school graduation, I was kind of so pissed off that I made it my mission to really not let anyone outwork me again. So from there, I decided to stay home at a community college for a year, kind of get my mind right, and then I transferred to Northern Illinois University to study accounting and um i i really focused on my self development so knowing that i was i didn't have the self confidence that i wanted or i didn't regard myself as a leader i made it my mission to become a better communicator become a better leader and really become more self confident So, I did little things here and there that I didn't realize were sort of like affirmations where I would change my passwords to like be fearless or be great or things of that nature, or change my screen, my wallpaper to a tiger or something to be fearless or whatever. Um, So, from there, my sophomore year, I landed an internship with a group called College Works Painting, where I was able to run an exterior painting business. So, I was going door to door, I was hiring my own painters, hiring, other individuals to go door-to-door for me as well and ended up building a $25,000 business in about six months. So that was my first experience with entrepreneurship and actually gave me a lot of confidence as well because I was scared. I was scared as hell. I mean, (laughs) talking to uh, people who were 20, 30 years older than me, homeowners, especially being that I felt I kind of sucked at communicating It was like getting outside my comfort zone. So the more I got outside my comfort zone, the more I began to grow and the more confident I became. So after that internship, I landed an internship with the big four accounting firm I'm at now, really through networking. Um, But if it wasn't for the prior internship, I wouldn't have had the confidence to be able to land that internship. Um, So yeah, I'll say after... After I landed my internship with a big four accounting firm, I joined Alpha Y Alpha Attorney Incorporated. And I really felt like everything I touched turned to gold because I was just super confident. And I kind of got everything I wanted um, because I had that mindset that whatever I wanted, I was going to go get. And then um, I had a reality check my senior year. My last semester, I got a D in my tax class. So I couldn't graduate, but I, uh, it was literally the day of graduation the grades went in so I have my suit on I'm ready to go I'm happy and then I see the notification from Blackboard and it's like okay I got this D now I'm not graduating now I have to forfeit my grad assistantship which is going to pay for my master's of accounting and kind of my I felt my world was falling apart but because I was resilient I just decided to pivot and I stayed another year, got the 150 credits needed to sit for the CPA exam, and then um, I just knocked out the CPA exam in three months, which is a crazy process, Um, really just knocked it out over the summer, literally studying every day for three months, literally nine to 12-hour days. That was kind of the worst summers of my life. Uh, I delayed delayed gratification immensely, but it was definitely well worth it. And now I've been in my accounting firm for about a year.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. It's cool in a lot of ways. Um, What was it like? I mean, because we all hear about Chicago. What was it like growing up in Chicago and staying on the straight and narrow path?
1: Well, um, a lot of Chicago people tell me I'm not from Chicago because I grew up in the suburbs. But being that I'm from Harvey, Illinois, it's definitely a lower income uh, suburb. it was really. I felt like I really got lucky because in high school I was really involved in sports, and I had a lot of friends who, um, who was in sports as well. But for those who maybe didn't make the basketball team or wasn't the star football player in the off season, it was a lot of. It's kind of a lot of gray area where people would start doing the wrong things, and I had friends who went to jail, and and now kind of their past has been so messed up that they had this mindset where the streets is all they know so i feel like i really got lucky um but i feel like with the right mindset you can make it out of anything
0: right right i I think that that's the most important thing a lot of people they they blame their circumstances they blame things that are outside of their control and they don't realize Mm -hmm. like if you have the right mindset like i always tell people like what's the difference between um, immigrants who come in from Jamaica or coming from Haiti or come here from Nigeria mm-hmm. just like you but succeed and really the only difference is their mindset like what are they willing to go through like you have a degree in accounting most people don't want to get a degree that's that difficult Accounting's not easy and so what they'll mm-hmm. do is they'll get a degree in a lesser subject saying they're following their passion and then they get degrees that align with a lesser or they get jobs that line up with a lesser degree whereas you have the ability to step into a uh, a six-figure track they're stepping into social work they're stepping into whatever the heck people with loser degrees get now I mean <laughs> I don't mean that in like a mean way I'm just saying like like you have to do what's difficult and I think that the mindset of uh, mm-hmm. what you said like be fearless is going to push you to do what's difficult which is usually what's worth it which is usually what's going to reward you down the line so I think one of the things I was trying to get you to say is that a lot of times what we see if Chicago isn't all that it, there is in Chicago. And so oh, to make the assumption that you're in Chicago, so that means you're in Chirac is maybe the incorrect assumption.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. One thing I did want to touch on that you mentioned, uh, a lot of people, I saw a lot of people in college switch from business to corporate, to communications majors. And you, and um, their path definitely changed changed tremendously because of that. And it's kind of like what you said, um, a, a quote I heard a couple of weeks ago is like, if you go through life doing only what's easy, your life will be hard. But if you go through life doing what's hard, your life will be easy. So it's kind of just like the more you get outside your comfort zone, the more you're going to grow. And you're only going to get outside your comfort zone by doing things that you're not used to doing. So,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to ask you if you joined the frat, we covered that. <laughs> um, I was thinking I was, I was at this store at target <clears throat> where when I was like 19, one of my friends got in trouble there. Mm-hmm. And when I was like 18, another friend got in trouble doing something else. And I realized like when I joined the frat, I went from being a follower I, well, first I realized that like all the stupid stuff I'd gotten into in my life was because I was following somebody. Somebody had this dumb hmm. idea and they're like, Hey, we should do this. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and then I joined the frat and the frat actually turned me from a follower to a leader. And from there, I've just been a leader in everything I've touched. Like, I mean, everything I do now is, is a leadership of us leading us to where we need to go instead of following some retard doesn't know anything. Um, Sorry. I think it's kind of interesting what, how frats can do that which is, yeah, okay. oh. I think I want to talk about that, that this is like the, sometimes I have a current event and what's going on on social media is that whole, like the frat initiation process. And there's dudes who are saying like, man, if I got to do this to be friends, I'll just sell drugs. And I think that I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's like the dudes are like passing the egg and then like mm-hmm. people, are, yeah, people, are, people are, people are, people are commenting and saying all these like, kind of ignorant things and I was like if you look at frats strictly as that then you're going to miss out on a lot of things and that actually could be the mindset of what translates into a lot of things that people kind of overlook and forego in life with that mindset meaning that like if you look at all that a fraternity makes up and you only see passing the egg then you're going to look at going to college the same way you're going to say oh well I'm just going to avoid doing the the hard accounting work. I'm gonna avoid doing the hard master's level work. I'm gonna do the easy stuff. So it's like, it's this mentality that goes across the whole culture that people don't really realize is you're taking the easy way out in everything. So you take the easy way out when it comes to raising kids, you take the easy way out when it comes to getting married, you take the easy way out when it comes to buying a house or renting, when it comes to starting a business or being an employee. And people don't realize like, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you are That's gonna cool. skate here, you're gonna skate everywhere. You're gonna have a skater life, you're gonna be mad talking about it's somebody else's fault. Did you have a skater life? Like, no, like you just made a bunch of skater decisions. And so now you have mm-hmm. a losing life.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think when people, with anything really, uh, kind of comes down to confirmation bias. So as far as the fraternity thing, where people see this egg and like, oh, I got to pass this egg or I got to do whatever so have you. They're really looking for a reason to get out of it anyway. And when, you, when you're when you looking for that reason, confirmation bias comes into, comes into play. It's just like when, like if you've been seeing a lot of things about racism online, now you're going to look for that everywhere. That confirmation bias is going to continually come to you it's really just like if you whatever you focus on is going to expand whether that be good or whether that be bad and once you realize that you can use that to your advantage and focus on only things that help that empower you
0: it's very true and that's kind of like what you did how you changed your passwords how you changed your screensavers like you surrounded yourself with everything that is success mhm it's like you kind of you kind of brainwash yourself for success like Juan Pablo says i like it
1: yeah definitely uh, I know one book I want to read is called Be Obsessed or Be Average. I haven't read it, but I love that title, and yeah. it kind of it makes me think about kind of my journey where I was just kind of obsessed with personal development, obsessed with leadership, obsessed with really just becoming a better me because I felt I owed it to myself, I owed it to my family. So once you really want to change something about yourself or want to get to a destination, you really have to be obsessed, and that's the easiest way to be successful.
0: yeah, one of the things that you touched on. It's something I kind of went through also is like I kind of underperformed in high school. And so I felt as though I owed it to myself to get A's in, in college. And then I felt as though I owed, to, owed it to myself to go to law school. And then I felt as though I owed it to myself to go get an MBA. Not three things, I'm kind of stacking on top of each other, but it's like mm-hmm. you you felt the pain of seeing other people win. And it's like, well, why can't I have that for myself?
1: Yeah,
0: um, 100%. That Grant Cardone book, I had the audio book, The Be Obsessed or Be Average. I read this whole series. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's kind of like he's just kind of talking, telling the story in the beginning, but that end of the book is straight flames. So, look in oh, yeah. the book, life changing that. That end of the book is amazing. So, we have you here to talk about budgeting because that's outside of your, your nine to five, your expertise is something you promote a lot on the internet. And so I guess my first question for you is why are budgets important?
1: I think budgets are important. It's really, um, it's really like a spending plan. A lot of people hear the term budget and they think, Oh, it's a constraint or it's not, it's it's really like the constraint, but really a budget is kind of freedom. So if you want to, you want to spend a hundred dollars a month or two hundred dollars a month on entertainment, or you want to spend on sneakers, whatever. So have you? If you have a budget now, you know where your money is going. You know how much income you're bringing in. You know how much discretionary income you have after you pay your bills, after the taxes are taken out of your check. Um, so You kind of know your cash flow, basically. Um, and budgets, I really like to say um, a quote. I love to. I really love to say. A plan if you plan to fail you you play if you <laughs> if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail so if you're not planning your money every month or every two weeks, then you're really just planning to give that money away. Your money doesn't have a purpose, so it's just gonna go out the door. but once your money has a purpose, you're able to grow your network, you're able to stack your savings, you're able to invest, but without that plan in place, kind of like you're dead in the water. So that's why having a budget
0: is like super important. Why do you think that people look at budgets negatively?
1: I think it kind of stems from the lack of financial literacy. Like it's not taught in schools. So especially growing up in a lower income community, when your parents don't have that financial literacy and you're not taught in schools, it's like either you're going to seek that financial literacy and kind of teach yourself or learn from someone else, or you're kind of just going to, let life happen to you and let your money just go everywhere you're going to spend all your money on food and every month repeat this cycle of where did my money go living check the check um, so yeah uh, i think that's kind of where it stems from it's kind of like even though we have these computers in our pocket every day these iphones these androids whatever so have you people aren't focused on that they're focused on instant gratification they're focused on scrolling social media So that lack
0: of focus plays a huge role as well. Yeah. I think that what you said was really important. It goes back to what we were talking about in regards to mindset, where a lot of people look at the constraints of a budget instead of the liberation of the budget. And what you were saying Mm -hmm. earlier is like a budget gives you freedom. And I think that if we can shift the thinking, a lot of people when they hear budget, they're like, oh, I I can only spend a hundred bucks on entertainment. I can't spend 500 bucks on entertainment. Like I really want to. How do you shift that thinking from the negative to the positive?
1: So first, I love to start with um, evaluating your money mindset. So what a lot of people don't realize is your money mindset, Some, in most cases, is really not yours. It really stems from your influences and in your upbringing. So if your parents were very materialistic or they spent all their money on things, especially buying new you things, you're going to think like that's the way it's supposed to be. And kind of that was the case with me. My mother was a spender. She so always made sure you had the nice clothes, the nice shoes. So when I got my first job working at Covers, I did the same thing. I had all the Jordans, um, all of graphic tees, things of that nature. And I was kind of repeating the same cycle without even thinking about it. So first I like to, um, I pose the question like, do you understand how your, um, your influences growing up uh, impact your money mindset today. So then I make them reflect on, okay, how was my mom? How was my dad? Or how was my guardian with money? And, And then I relay that back to themselves. Like, are you repeating some of the bad habits they had? And then once they're able to realize that, they're able to say, okay, I forgive myself for kind of exhibiting these bad habits that aren't even mine. And now they're able to disassociate with those bad habits and kind of reinvent themselves, especially like unlearning and relearning. I
0: like it. I like it a lot because you're absolutely right. That was one of the things I had to realize about myself is growing up. Um, and not even growing up even to this day. My mom is a spender. And so every time I get like a windfall, every time I like talk about how much money I have and all these different things going on, my mom always finds things for me to buy. Oh, you should buy a new suit. Oh, you need some new shoes. Oh, you need to upgrade your car. You need a new car, and I realized that, like, growing up, that was my mindset. My mindset was, I need, I need, I need, and so I spent, mm-hmm. I spent, I spent, and so then I didn't have the reserves, which then trickles into a lot of different things. I'll never forget one of my friends; he was doing a freestyle rap, and like, and going. When I was in college, it was different because I w- I came from a middle class household as well, so like for what was kind of difficult is I didn't get any, any, any money. Like I was in college and I didn't get grants. I didn't get excess cash. Ooh. So when everybody else was getting those refund checks, I was just watching them buy everything. And so I was like frustrated. And so people were like, why, is, why is Charles not having any money? Why does he have any money? And like, in part it's because I wasn't getting big windfalls, but also it was because of my mm-hmm. spending habits. And so my friend, he was rapping. He was like, he spends all his money. That's why he's broke. And like, it hit me in my soul. I was like, dang, he's right. I spend my money my mom broke mm-hmm. and he was always really good with money. And so I realized that. And then I took a step back and I realized like, that's how my mom is. My mom is a spender. She's always been a spender. Yeah. And so it hurts and it's difficult. But what I found is when you take a step back from, from spending money and then you accumulate cash reserves, you actually get better purchases because you're making better buys at that point, which then mm-hmm. allows you to keep more of your money. So it's like, if you live paycheck to paycheck, as soon as you get it, you spend it, you're actually like a loser in a lot of different ways. Not only are you spending everything, but you're also getting the worst deals. And then if you buy it on credit, you're even getting even worse deals. So being frugal, mm-hmm. getting reserves, having excess cash helps you in a lot of different ways. Everybody always says like, oh, you got to live life. Well, you aren't really living life if you're living paycheck to paycheck. That's not Definitely. life. <laughs> That's not. To yeah. Life. Yeah, I was going to
1: say, um, it's so much better. Having reserves and being able to buy whatever you want, and being just like, nah, I don't want that. Um, right. I think that's that's a much better feeling. But you'll never get that feeling if every time you get a tax refund or every time you get a refund check or anything like that, you just spend it automatically. I see a lot of people. Um, they plan. They they literally plan to spend their paychecks like before they even get paid, or they plan. Some people already know what they're going to buy with their tax refund.
0: Like yeah. so most most people you know,
1: to
0: to <laughs> know how much they know how much they're gonna get they know mm-hmm. what they're gonna buy some people spend it in advance and then they gotta like make it up like, oh my refund gets here, I'll give you the money back,
1: yep, yeah I know um I see a lot of I've seen a couple of tax people there offering like advances on their advances on individual tax refunds, I'm like that's cool, like if you um if they really need it for like. Everyday expenses or something like that, but now times ten. Somebody is probably going to just end up spending that. Uh, especially if they already have that mindset, like okay, I'm I'm already know already know what I'm going to buy. I saw a tweet the other day on Twitter where someone tweeted like, I already know what I'm wearing to go cash my tax refund, and it it seems like it's just a joke, but these messages are really internalized, especially with your subconscious mind, like recording everything kind of like siri on your phone like or amazon echo whatever it's called um uh, it's recording every minute every second of the day so you really got to be conscious about what you read what you think what you um see every day you really got to be conscious about what you're consuming on an everyday basis because it can really mess up your mindset
0: that's very true it's very true i was watching this podcast on ed Milette and he was talking about like you have to have high energy and I just listen to it. And then before you know it, like I'm incorporating high energy into my life. Like I have to have high energy. Like if I got to drink some coffee, I can't get on a podcast and sound dead. I can't sound tired. I can't so, sound bored on a podcast. Right. And it's all because I just had it on in the background. I was listening to it, but people don't realize like the things you listen to, the people that you're around, the things you're watching, all that stuff shapes your reality.
1: mm-hmm Yeah, so uh, for me, when I realized that, um, I forgot which book I read, but I think it was a John Maxwell book. Yeah, it was a John Maxwell book. It was called How Successful People Think, and it really kind of broke down uh, just kind of a poor mindset versus a rich mindset, and once I figured out, like, my subconscious mind and its power, I cut off everything. Like, I I got rid of my Apple Music subscription, so there's no more music, and I love music, but I'm like, no, I replace my music with podcasts. I replace scrolling my phone every day on the bus an hour a day with, with reading a book or listening to a podcast. And it's like you said, brainwash yourself for success. And it's, it's actually way easier than a lot of people think, but you have to be willing to sacrifice. And yeah. that's what a lot of people aren't willing to do.
0: Right. What should a good budget look like? So a good budget, I think a good budget
1: is really realistic. Um, first, you need to know your non-negotiables. You got to know what you're not willing to give up. Like uh, For men, that might be, uh, if you're a big sportsman, you go to sports games often, maybe that's your entertainment. Uh, that's your goal or your reward for maintaining a good budget. Um, for ladies, that might be getting your nails done once every couple of months. Um so first you need to know your non negotiables what you're not willing to do. And then from there, you want to have kind of an accurate sense of how much income you're bringing in after tax. So get out those pay stubs. Um, if you're, if you, if your salary is kind of easy because you know you're getting the same check every two weeks or however your pay schedule is. But if you're hourly, you need to figure out your average hours that you work every week. And then uh, if you're, getting paid every two weeks, you need to multiply by two and see how much you get paid uh, on average every two weeks. From there, you want to lay out all your expenses. And don't just, I would say, don't just put your expenses by, um, don't just lay all your expenses out on the spreadsheet or anything like that. You need to make sure all your expenses have a due date on them so you know when things are due. Because your budget the first half of the month might look very different from your budget the last half of the month, especially since rent and card notes and things of that nature are typically due like on the first of the month. So I think it's always best to budget bi weekly as well as monthly because you want to have that monthly view as well as kind of a detailed breakdown of your bi weekly view. So once you have all your expenses in there, um, then you see your discretionary income, which is Basically, how much you have to spend, save, or invest after you take into account taxes, as well as all your expenses. Um, And I always say, at least save 10% of your income. That's at least. Like, learn to operate on 90% of your income. And then from there, you can increase it as time goes and become more disciplined. But at least always be saving 10% of your income for emergencies, because you never know what can come up. An emergency fund is definitely vital on every budget, especially since you know they say a recession is coming, um, or really just because anything can happen. So it's always good to have that emergency fund in place as well. Nice.
0: Do Do you use any budgeting apps or software to help you budget?
1: I used to, but I kind of got away from it. So one budget that I really used to like in high school and college was uh, Mint.com. Um, so Mint was great because it would automate it would automate your budget by loading in your expenses, and you could also um, you could also group your expenses by category. It would do it automatically. But what was annoying was sometimes it would it would pull expenses into the wrong category. So I got rid of Mint. Um, one, another one I like was Every Dollar. I think that was by Dave Ramsey. Uh, Every Dollar is a pretty good app. I think it's free. I used it for a little while, but now I just kind of stick to Excel spreadsheets um, and, Google, and Google Docs as well. It makes it a little bit easier uh, since you can have the Google Sheets app on your phone and you can have that on the go. So I used to use budget apps, but not anymore. But if it works for you, um, like I personal finance Personal. That's the first word, and kind of really the most important. You really need to find what works for you. If apps work for you, fine. If a spreadsheet is best, fine. If you if you if you like a notepad, pencil, paper, or your notes out, that's that's perfect as well. You really need to find what works for you because sticking to someone else's plan isn't always the best idea because it's kind of harder to follow. But when you find what's kind of custom for you. It makes it so much easier.
0: Yeah. I like that statement. <clears throat> I like that statement. That, oh, well, <clears throat> that personal finance is personal because you never know what somebody's situation looks like. And so yeah. it's like you have to have that customized personal touch to your finances. Um, there are There is some general advice that can help you and guide you, but I, I really like mm-hmm. that. Um, another, another thing that you said that I like is using Google sheets. That's one thing I kind of got into because I like to have my budget. I use Excel these days too, just because it's way more customizable, um, Mm -hmm. than like a mint because I created like a budget strictly for credit cards. And so this is a schedule that has like each credit card, it's balance, it's current balance, it's goal balance, it's due date, it's report date. And so I can do that on Excel, but I can't do that through mint.com. And I can't do that because yeah. I have all these different different apps that control my American Express or control my Capital One or control my Banana Republic or whatever. And so I like that. But then I also like that I can customize it if I'm on the iPad, if I'm on the computer, if I'm on um, my cell phone, and it all syncs across. And so you're not having to go to your personal computer to update what you did at work. It all does. It, it goes across your Google platform. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah, super. it's definitely super helpful.
0: So people who are managing their credit know that payment history is important. Are you somebody who makes the payments when the payments are due or just twice a month? Because what I found is a lot of businesses what they'll do is they only cut checks twice a month. They're not writing checks all throughout the month. They will pay bills that are due at a certain time on the 15th and bills that are due at a certain time on the 31st. Are you are you that way or do you do it kind of
1: as the bill comes due when it's due? I typically um, do it as the bill comes due. So the way I manage my money is I kind of have a system in place where I have um, a couple of credit, I mean, a couple of debit cards or a couple of debit cards as well as savings accounts. Um, so I have an account strictly for bills. So the easiest way to do this, I add up all my bills for the month divided by two, and that's how much I'm gonna direct deposit into my account that's strictly for bills. So now I know that every month, I don't have to worry about bills because everything is on auto pay and I have an account set up with the money already in there. Um, and then I have my spend account where I spend on things like you know haircuts or laundry or gas or things of that nature. And I typically pay for those expenses in cash. Because uh, it is so, it's so much easier. And when you use debit or credit cards, the finesse is you typically spend more. So there's a a study by Dun and by Dun and Bradstreet where they found um, when you use debit or credit cards, you tend to spend 12 to 18 percent more. And I'm sure the banks know this, and that's probably why debit and credit cards were. Uh, created. And I feel like there's really a war on cash going on right now. Like a lot of stores are going cashless and they say it's for safety reasons, but I really feel like uh, they just want you to spend a little bit more. It's kind of a psychology thing. Um, and I'm sure banks have psychologists working around the clock or they've done these studies all the time. So I would say paying cash as much as possible, especially in areas that you tend to overspend. Especially like going to the grocery store or eating out for restaurants, it's really easy to set a limit. Say you want to spend two hundred on restaurants, take out a hundred dollars every two weeks and put that in an envelope. Uh, some people call it the cash envelope system. I think it was uh, Dave Ramsey you might have called it that. Uh, but yeah, take that out, take that hundred dollars out, and limit yourself so you know once you get down to your last 10 bucks, you're like, okay, I got to make this stretch. So I'm not, I'm spending, I already spent too much and now I have to pull from other places. So that's, it's a really easy way to be disciplined when you're spending cash versus when you're putting everything on your credit cards or you're using your debit cards. It's, it's, it makes it so much harder to attract what you're spending appropriately. So yeah.
0: sometimes you got to feel the pain. And I think that by feeling the pain of not having it, that helps you so that going forward, you don't make those same mistakes. I had something I was going to say. I forgot what it was. Oh, one thing I was going to say is that a lot of people ask me, not so much anymore because I don't really harp on it as much anymore, but a lot of people ask me what they should major in in college. And I think that what we're hearing with Brian is like accounting sets you up for success in business, finance, and investing in ways that people don't realize. Um, Brian has a degree in accounting. My mom has a degree in accounting. I have a degree in accounting. Grant Cardone has a degree in accounting. I was watching Brian, this podcast. Yeah. I was watching this podcast um, by this guy named Casino is the Name. And he's super sophisticated African-American dude out of Atlanta. And he kind of looks like a thug, but like, he's just like talking like hedge funds and talking like real estate investing. He just bought a truck. And then he told people he was an accountant and I was like, it makes sense. <laughs> Accounting is a strong degree for a lot of reasons. I always tell people that I've been exposed to things that most people won't ever be exposed to. If you work a job, you can only see what people show you. When you work in finance or you work in banking, or you work in accounting, you're looking at people's tax returns. You're looking at people's bank statements. You're looking at people's financial statements. You're looking at like everything, their investment brokerage statements, and it expands your mind. It shows you what's possible for not just them, but for you. And so I always tell people that you have to get more from your job than just a paycheck. And so what Brian has gotten from his job and from his degree is much more valuable than what they pay them on the nine to five because that's how you build wealth. In fact, the, the multimillionaire that I work with in the family office, he has an in accounting. He's a CPA. It's sets it's a yeah. foundation of success. That's so much bigger than just getting a paycheck. So I wanted to point that out because like your financial wisdom is beyond your years. And most people who are like twice your age, don't know what you know. <laughs> so I wanted to point out that, that, I mean, people who are looking like study accounting, even if you don't like study, study and get a degree in accounting or books in accounting, it's a very good subject to learn.
1: Yeah. Words, I always say, oh, God,
0: I was going to no, say, go I,
1: always say um, I always say, I always wish I would have dual major in accounting and finance. Um, I think that's probably like the gold uh, dual major accounting and finance. Um, I think so finance you learn so much probably probably so much more about investing and that's uh kind of what i'm trying to get up to speed with now um yeah if i could go back and do it again i would definitely do finance and accounting or like economics and finance something along the lines of that but majoring in college i'll say definitely find a major that you can turn into um a side hustle a or a side business as well. Yeah, definitely a profession. Um, the science. shift right now, the shift right now in the world is towards is towards artificial intelligence. So a lot of those lower level jobs are going to be getting wiped out. And even in accounting, we're seeing a lot of automation and technology. Uh, people are literally creating bots to do what our current associates are doing um, way quicker. And you don't have to deal with the attitudes. You don't have to deal with managing people. It's like you press a button and the work gets done. So definitely look into information security and technology as well, because those are kind of the hot areas uh, of the future.
0: Absolutely. I think that the side hustle thing is something I harp on, and people don't really take me serious when I say it. But what I make on my job, I make more on my side hustle this year. and. Right. I think so. what's important for people to realize is next year is going to be better because I'm better. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm better at a lot. And not only am I better, but I'm bringing on people to help me be better. So it's like you said, you have to have a job that allows you to do it And quite honestly, almost any degree is going to allow you to do something in a side hustle form. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of, are you going to do the work? Are you willing to be creative? Are you willing to take the action and sacrifice your weekends and your evenings? I think that's what really. I have friends who are social workers, and they could be doing something on the weekend to help people outside of their job. You have to. You. This is America, people, and America. Like this is the land of opportunity, and immigrants see it. People who are here, who are winning, see it. And so, if you're only doing that nine to five, and you imagine nine to five is not saving you, congratulations. You have probably more hours off your nine to five than you have on your nine to five to really make it. Mm are serious. And that's what I did. I, t- I work harder in my off hours than I do. And I kind of, yeah, I work harder on my off hours than I do on my nine to five and I work hard on my nine to five. So just because it's not attached to a paycheck doesn't mean it's not an opportunity. There's so much opportunity out there that doesn't come in the form of a paycheck. That actually is going to pay you a lot more than a paycheck. It's going to pay you more often than a paycheck. It's going to pay you mm-hmm. like it's going to set you up. So yeah. What are the most common budgeting mistakes that you see? The most common budgeting mistakes?
1: Really the most common is creating a budget and not sticking to it. So a lot of people, they make their New Year's resolution, oh, I'm going to be good with money this year. Um, and they'll make this resolution like or have it in their mind like the beginning of December. So once uh, January 1st comes around, they'll make their budget, but they never create action steps. Like okay, how I'm gonna now I made a budget. How am I gonna to stick to it? Um, so that's really the most common mistake I see people make, and that and that's not even really with budgeting. It's really with goal setting overall. Like really, um, a dream or a goal without a plan is kind of like good sleep. I saw a quote that said that, uh, and it, it speaks volumes because you really need to have action steps in place to hit your goals. Or it's kind of like you wrote this goal down for no reason. Uh, how are you going to achieve something without knowing how you're going to get there? You don't have to have everything figured out, but you need to have at least uh, guidelines on how you're going to figure it out. So um, really just with budgeting, you definitely need to know how you're going to stick to your budget and know why why you need to stick to your budget. And also a common mistake I see is a lot of people don't have financial goals. So when you first create your budget, I think you should have a goal six months out or a year out, whether it be saving your first thousand dollars or saving your first 10K. You need to have a goal that's obtainable and it's super easy to use smart goals. So your goal wants to be specific. You want it to be measurable, um, achievable, you um, timely. And I forgot the R, I forgot the R in smart, but uh, I think it's realistic. Google's- yeah, realistic. It definitely needs to be realistic. Uh, so, yeah, use smart goals when making your budget as well. And with goal setting in general, it definitely pays a ton of dividends.
0: When you said the creating a plan, it kind of reminded me of GPS. Like a lot of people say, I want to go to Texas. And then they'll say, I just want to go to Texas. I want to go to Texas. But you don't, if you don't look at how you're going to get to Texas, and then if you don't get on the road to Texas, you can want to get to Texas all you want to, but if you don't mm-hmm. actually like have that plan and then take action steps towards that plan, you just be sitting there talking about Texas your whole life. And then your kids will get older. You just say, yeah, I want to go to Texas. And I think that that's how people do their financial goals. They say, I want to be a millionaire. They say, I want to buy real estate. They'll say, I want to do all these different things, but they never map it out with a plan. The budget is that plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I think for me, that really helped. Uh, Goal setting really helped for me. Um, so Originally, why I started budgeting because I wanted to get into real estate. I wanted to buy a multi-unit property, uh, and although it didn't happen in 2018, because I realized the market in Chicago is just—it's at, at the top of the market. Everybody's everybody wants multi-unit properties. The prices are ridiculous, even in the hood. So um, I'm really hoping this recession comes. But if not, I'm going to have to pivot, and um, and that's where it makes sense, which we might be in the suburbs for me—the Chicago suburbs. But, um, might be. be. yeah, you definitely need those goals. So even though I didn't hit my goal of buying a house, now I have this hefty savings where I can invest in the stock market. I can, um, invest in learning or buying a course or really do kind of, I have that flexibility to do whatever I want. So now when I have an idea for a business, I'm able to invest in it right away, whether instead of just, uh, letting that idea stay an idea for months on end.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the downsides of bigger pockets is that they have the ability to influence people to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I've seen that in what they promote and then also what they bash. And what they promoted for the longest time was multifamily housing. And so multifamily has now become inflated almost in a bubble. I think it's probably in a bubble. You have a lot yeah. of people that are buying properties and they're value adding them, raising the rents refinancing out the new equity. And it's 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 gonna to get to the point where maybe it, it's not possible to refinance those anymore. People just aren't buying. And I think that being able to spot that they're in the top of the market is what a sophisticated and savvy investor would do. What an unsophisticated investor would do would just do, hey bigger pockets that buy a multifamily, I'm buying multifamily no matter what the numbers look like, no matter what the trends look like, no matter what the market looks like, like that is what causes crashes and manias. And I think that's why a lot of people need to have somebody who has an accounting expertise, who knows how to determine the actual value of an investment as opposed to what you hope the value would be, which are two different things. And you'll allow yourself the ability to invest where it makes sense, which is what I do. Like, I go where the numbers make sense. I don't go where bigger pockets tells me to go. What is your best budgeting success story?
1: My best budget and success story? Let's see. Hmm. I think, well, I'll say my favorite budget and success story is my mom. So um, once I start um, helping people with their budgets, I was able to sit down with my mom. Uh, she followed me on Instagram, followed me on uh, Facebook. She saw I was helping all these people. So she was like, okay, okay, I want to sit down and uh, create a budget. So my mom has a side business as well, and, but she never tracked how much she was investing in her business or how much income she was bringing in and never tracked her expenses as well. So I was able to create a spreadsheet for my mom and now she sees like, okay, this is how much I'm bringing in. Um, And now she's able to make better decisions on where she invests her money or what products sell the best because she has this budget in place. So that's my favorite uh, budget and success story is uh, really being able to help my mom and help those around me become successful in their personal finance because it's so important. It's so vital to your success and happiness as well.
0: Two things I want to say to that is take advantage of the resources that are around you. A lot of people have children that went to college and they just treat them like their child. They don't treat them like somebody who's an mm-hmm. accountant or somebody who's a lawyer or somebody who is a doctor. They they, they, they treat them like they're still the same child whose who nose they used to wipe, and they're doing themselves, right. themselves. Because they have the same skills that you're going to go down there and pay Edward Jones for, or the same skills you're going to go down there and pay whomever for. The next thing I want to say is that it's so important for people. I always say business and investing are a team sport. People think that I'm just talking about your partners. I'm also talking about the people that you hire. So it's a team sport in regards to you making sure you have an accountant, making sure you have a lawyer, making sure you have a bookkeeper, making sure you have Mm -hmm. all these people, all these advisors around you that are gonna allow you to run your business efficiently. And an example is his mom, who she was running a business, making money, but she needed somebody to come in and organize the finances. Now, a lot of people don't do that because they think that that makes them less intelligent. They think, oh, I'm supposed to be able to do all this on my own. I'm a business owner. But I think we have to break that mindset. and We have to realize, like, needing help doesn't make you less intelligent. It just makes you more successful. Nobody ever does it on their own. And so it's like, if you have a business, you need advisors. That's why I tell people, I'm not, I don't just set up an LLC. I do biz dev, meaning that I'm going to help you develop your business. I'm going to help you market, promote, advertise, organize, handle the taxes, all that stuff for your business, because you shouldn't feel like you have to do it on your own. And the goal should be to succeed, not to just be this strong, independent business person who don't need no man. So, (laughs)
1: Oh man. Yeah, that's real. A hundred percent. I find, I find the same thing with myself. Um, like for the couple of business I have, I, I do the books. Um, I have an income statement, uh, Excel spreadsheet that I created. And now it's like, uh, those, it used to be fun for me. Now it's like, okay, this might be a little bit too much too time consuming. So I'm, I'm probably going to be investing in QuickBooks pretty soon. Um, uh, but yeah, um, Asking for help doesn't mean that it's not a bad thing. And I think for some reason we got in this mindset where like in, in college or you're in the class and you're scared to raise your hand and answer a question or ask a question. So you just sit back and you just don't understand and then you end up failing the class. Um, in some way, that's really it's kind of ignorance. It's like that means that essentially you're afraid to learn because you learn through asking questions you learn through getting help from those who already done it for you or done it done it successfully um it's like why read why reinvent the wheel when someone has already done it just go learn from them like don't waste your time uh, cuz time is your most important resource so right. rather than trying to figure everything out of your own you might as well just ask for that help delegate and become a better leader and focus on really the profit of the business, rather than working in the business.
0: Right. I think that everything, like I said, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you're somebody who, the, the example of not asking the question in class, not learning and failing, is how people go through life. They won't ask questions and they'll fail at life. And we have a very good way of masking failures in life. And so people don't know that people are failing, but there's a lot of people out there failing So Mm -hmm. I think that that's why another thing you said is the reason why I think that what I do is important in helping people with their business is it's not your job to learn what I learn. It's your job to pay me because I know what I know while you run your business. And so I want to challenge anybody listening to this show. If you want to build your investment portfolio, seek help from an investment advisor. If you want to do your taxes professionally or do it correctly, you have a business, Seek help from a tax advisor. Hire advisors in 2019. Don't try to be the jack of all trades. Be the master of hiring experts. Last year, I tried to be the jack of all trades. I wanted to be the property manager. I wanted to manage the books. I wanted to handle the financing. I wanted to handle the rehab. I wanted to find the deals. I wanted to raise the money for the deals. And I was running around in circles. And that's not my goal this year. I had a conversation with somebody this morning who's helping us find a tenant for our property. And what I realized is next year, we're going to, the the guy who's helping us fill this unit is also going to be the guy who's going to take over all the property we we own. And the reason for it is this, I always tell people that it's very easy to be a property manager because all you're doing is fielding calls from the tenants and then making calls outbound. And I realized if I do it that way, I got to make 10, 15, 20 calls if I have a property manager, I make one phone call. That's Mm -hmm. it. I'm talking to the property manager to make sure the property manager is doing the property manager's job. The property manager is making 20 phone calls. This year, I don't want to make 20 phone calls. I I don't have time to make 20 phone calls. And so I have to be the expert at hiring experts. The same thing is true with managing projects on rehab. I don't have time to call different trades. I don't have time to go back and forth with contractors. I need to have somebody who handles handles the property who handles the projects across all the properties we do which then allows us to do way more projects basically what I'm saying is that if you don't join a team you're going to lose by default you're going to be LeBron James in Cleveland the first time not the second time and I don't want to be LeBron James in Cleveland the first time I want to be the Golden State Warriors I want to be this new Lakers squad LeBron is picking up now that's what we need to be in business. It's something I said on the first episode or two is this year we got to be linking up like Voltron. This year we got to be passing the ball because if Brian scores, that's points for my team. If I score, that's points for Brian's team. And that's how we got to look at it. Like we don't got to do all the scoring. We don't got to put up 80 points like Kobe. We just got to make sure that somebody on our team is scoring the ball. Yeah,
1: that's, man, that's definitely the goal. Uh doing it all yourself it's not it's not even as fun like right? um, it's funner when you can make those around you successful as well now you have a community of successful individuals rather than just yourself so now you enrich your whole community instead of just enriching yourself and you be you become successful way faster doing so i'm sure as
0: well so i'm gonna skip this one question because i want to talk about books you read a bunch of books this year Um. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that what you've read is something that I've read in the past. So, what are the top five books you read this year? You said you read twenty-four books. Your goal was twenty-four. 24. years Twenty-four. What were the top five let's books? you see. read?
1: Top five. Okay. Um. Let's see. So number well not number one. It might not be the best on the list, but it's the best for me because um, it helped change my mindset the most. Was "Secrets of the Millionaire Mind" by T. Harv Eker. Um, that book was amazing because it really broke down kind of, um, not only the difference between poor and rich mindsets, but really kind of the pitfalls that lead to the poor mindset. Um, so he has these 15 or so wealth files that really will make you think, um, for me, that book really taught me that I don't promote myself with passion and enthusiasm for whatever reason. Um, it taught me that, uh, a lot of people have spending issues because of uh, they have personal issues where they more than likely have unaddressed trauma from their childhood that they need to go to counseling or they need to really do a deep dive personally to kind of figure themselves out. And it really taught me a multitude of things. So I would definitely recommend Secrets of the Millionaire Mindset. Um, another book I really enjoyed was, I didn't read that this year. Um, so. Last year in, like, November, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's a super amazing book. Um, everyone has talked about it, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad was definitely one of my top five reads. Um, another, what I just finished, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun, based on Reginald Lewis's life of how he built this billion-dollar empire. That book was super dope, really because um, the thing I liked most was he didn't let his color or he didn't let being african-american serve as a barrier for him he had the mindset that if someone wanted to cheat him or they wanted to view him a certain way because of who he was which was something he couldn't change it's like that's someone else's problem and that's really them reflect or deflecting their insecurities onto him uh um, he was kind of tenacious in everything that he do everything that he did and that's what made him like super super successful uh another book let's see oh man i read a lot of books um let me pull up my can you remember all of them
0: off the top of my
1: head let's see
0: let me click while you're looking i think that a lot of people should make it a point to read the secrets of a millionaire mind um i think it's a pretty quick read too um, yeah, similar to Rich, similar to Rich Dad Poor Dad, in that it shows you the polarity of how you currently think, probably, and how you should be mm-hmm. thinking. And I think that's what Rich Dad Poor Dad does for people. It says like all the truths that you believe are going to lead you into the path of not being where you want to be. And so, in order to get where you want to be, you have to shift your thinking. So, if you're somebody who is afraid to promote yourself and you want to be wealthy. You're going to have to get over that fear of promoting yourself. One of my Definitely. favorite quotes is how he uses his money like soldiers. And he sends his money out to capture mm-hmm. more soldiers. And it's a quote that I've seen in more books than one. It was just kind of cool. That's something that always stands out from to me from there. But one of my favorite books, I've read that multiple times. And it's always good just to even just break out a chapter and just read a chapter and just like, get your mind blown. Another really, really good book, if you haven't read it, mm-hmm. is Millionaire Fastlane. Um, mm, so many, so many bars in that book. That's, I feel like that's a great book. Um, I can't tell you the specific reasons why, just great book. My favorite book, other than Rich Dad Poor Dad, is Choose Yourself. Mm. Choose Yourself is the reason why I do everything that I do. A lot of people see me taking so much action, see me Promoting myself through a podcast, a blog, through social media, through giving away value for free, and then I realize like I'm building a business. Like this mm-hmm. is content that builds a business that creates a brand. That's why I have a Tide Acquisition shirt on right now. Like subconsciously, I'm feeding into their mind. Like support Tide Acquisition. <laughs> but yep. um, that's that's a great book. Choose yourself <laughs> is a great book. Ten X is a great book. If you haven't read Ten X yet, um, got read that. So definitely great literature. Anybody who has been following us over at Blacker Pockets, the book that I'm reading right now is The Affordable Real Estate Investing by Lisa Phillips. It's really probably the most transparent real estate investing book that I've ever read on real estate investing. It doesn't sugarcoat stuff and it talks about real issues that there aren't actual solutions to on Bigger Pockets because they don't invest in these areas. So I encourage anybody listening to pick up that book. I don't get paid for promoting it. I just promote it because I believe in what she's promoting.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and I would say the last two books on my list of my top five one would be the richest man in babylon um and reason being because it was a story um instead of just being like a personal finance book where a lot of people they can't really sit through those so they're kind of boring this the richest man in babylon it being a story and it just dropped gems left and right it was super easy read probably about a hundred pages and I would recommend anybody that's um interested in kind of getting their finance together, definitely start with either The Richest Man in Babylon or Rich Dad Poor Dad or something along the lines of that because they're super, they're easy reads and they will change your mindset kind of relatively quick. And then the other book would be um, Attitude 101 by John Maxwell. Like the one. Attitude 101, what every leader needs to know. And this, uh, I really love John Maxwell books because they're really straight to the point. Like they're typically no longer than 100 or 200 pages. But this Attitude 101 book, it really just showed how your attitude is your biggest asset. Because no matter what happens to you in life, your attitude really determines how it affects you and how you can move forward from whatever life throws at you. So Attitude 101 is definitely one of my top five as well. Nice.
0: And then if you're interested
1: in... I was going to say, if you're interested in reading more, um, I have a link in my bio with over 80 book PDFs uh, that were circulated in the group chat I found. So definitely check that out. Download all of those books to your laptop and then just knock them out. Uh, Free resources. That's probably hundreds of dollars in books. So definitely take advantage.
0: How do you feel that reading has... um... Affected you? I'll, I won't even try to guide that. How do you feel that reading has affected you this year? Reading 24 books.
1: I think reading has made me really a better man. Um, like your mind, it, it really just changed my overall mindset. I was constantly feeding myself positive content, I was constantly feeding myself growth content. So now I'm always positive, I'm always looking to grow. Now that I've been reading, a lot of sales books now I'm always looking for opportunities to sell so um like you mentioned earlier in the show brainwash yourself for success and that's kind of what I did um I take all of these books and all of the stories of all these experts and use them to my advantage and I take action from those so a lot of people if you're reading like 50 books and you're just knocking them out one after another without taking a chance to reflect or highlight highlight dope quotes or important aspects of each book it it kind of defeats the purpose. But once you're actually reflecting on each book and taking pieces of each book and implementing those into your life, it really pays a ton of dividends and you can really grow super fast just from reading those books. But taking action is definitely a part of the equation. You can read as much as you want, your mindset will change, but if you don't take that action it's like it's kind of it's not all for nothing but you're not going to have the same effect if you're not taking that action as well.
0: I was always um, a big reader growing up because I was an introvert growing up. Mm -hmm. And so instead of talking to people, I read books, but (laughs) I I didn't really become super pro reading until I read the Malcolm X book. And he talked about Mm -hmm. how reading changed his life. And it's one thing to say how reading changes life, but you literally see this guy who Malcolm X was like a thug, running numbers, yeah. robbing old folks and making the dash. And then he goes from that into like a leader of nations, of many people across the country. And he's just so profound and people, they overlook that. They, they, they really downplay reading. I don't understand why people do it. But one thing I would tell people that is like, I went through this phase where I wanted to read a hundred books in a year. I didn't make it to a hundred books, but the things that I read that year, they come out in different ways. It's not like exactly. I'm just like page by page living it, but I can look at a stock and I can say, well, I don't like that stock. And it's a combination of multiple books that I've read. Cause I read like a rational exuberance. I read uh, the Warren Buffett book. I read ran a walk down Wall Street. And so like all those books create my opinion on this stock. And so it's not okay. like, I'm just like, oh, I'm just practicing what I read in this book. And it's like, it really shapes your mind. Like it's bigger yeah. than just like informed action. It's like formulating who you are as a person to the point where you can create your own opinions about the reality that you see that's an informed opinion. It's like Warren Buffett says, he reads four hours a day. And so we see things that people can't see. Last question is What does wealth mean to you?
1: So, wealth means to me freedom. Um, yeah, and simply put, yeah, wealth means freedom uh, freedom, to, freedom to freedom of your time. I think building wealth is really about buying your time. Because if you're not building wealth and you just live in pay, paycheck, paycheck or you're going through the motions, you constantly have to work for someone um, and you're constantly giving away your precious time in order to get this piece of paper. But when you build wealth to the point where your money is now working for you, now your time is freed up to really pursue your passions and to really live life. I don't think we were meant to really just work ourselves to death and then die or work 40 years for another individual and then get this, then retire and live another 10 years on vacation or something like that, wealth means to me really just freedom and buying back your times so that you can pursue your passions and really leave your impact on the world. Because if you're stuck doing something you don't want to do, you're going to be unhappy and most likely the people around you are going to be unhappy and you're not able to uh, really leave your mark on the world. And I feel like everyone is special. Everyone has those special qualities, but they're not working in their passion. They're not able to add that value to others' lives and their in their own lives as well by by working in their passion. So, wealth is freedom, and freedom for time.
0: Dope, dope. So, before we end the show, I want to apologize for calling people's degrees outside of accounting loser degrees. They aren't loser degrees. <laughs> I don't want you guys to think that's the case. As we said earlier, any any degree that you have can be used to generate income outside of your job so that's definitely the thrust of a lot of things that i do which is not uh, it's actually something i took from a book it's um oh man the book that was written by uh rich 20 something the whole theme of the book was to start a consulting company for the things that you do on your nine to five and your off hours which means that whatever you do on your nine to five is valuable so you take those and you market those skills to the world. And you could do what I did this year and hopefully double next year. Um, the goal is to really dominate next year. and Just kill it financially. Where can people find out more about you? Where can they find you on social media? Where can they find any of your products?
1: So um, you can check me out via infamouscpa.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Infamous CPA. So you can find all of my work there. Um and yeah, pretty pretty much Dope. in that nutshell
0: Dope. Hopefully we can find a way to combine like Voltron and put out something for the people this year. And I mean I have a huge reach. Reach is only gonna get bigger. And I think that by working together, we could definitely um help a lot of people and improve a lot of things, get that budgeting and personal finance piece. But I don't yet have um I have a lot of biz dev. But I don't have the the function of budgeting. Working on a resume course, or not a resume course, but a resume service. So that will be launched in 2019. Of course, we have tie capital tax. We're uh, gonna have low cost consultations. I can't say free consultations because people's time is valuable. And mm-hmm. it you do free consultations, you'll be on the phone all night. So we're gonna have low cost low Man. cost tax consultations. To look at your current tax situation and your tax situation for 2019 to make sure that you're prepared strategically for your business and your personal taxes. And so you can email info at capitalTide.com for more information on that. Um, we have a discount for any of our Tide Capital Investment Club members via stocks or real estate, as well as our Tide Capital Consulting clients of a 15% off for the Tide Capital Tax Service. We did it last year for a ton of people. We had a ton of happy customers and we look to 10x at this year if you're interested in joining either of our investment clubs either for real estate or stocks for real estate email property management at capitaltopd.com for stocks email membership at capital my name is Charles Oglesby also known as Todd man this is episode 87 on the march to 100 the episode 100 is going to be flames I have a really cool idea for how we're going to do it hopefully I can pull it off but if we do pull it off it's going to be real special. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. www.capitaltodd.com, where business and investing are team sport. Signing off.